0: should have backed it cup eve special i'll uh welcome in our guests straight away herald sun racing editor chris finuccio big v how are you
1: yeah going all right corbs and hello phil uh could be better derby day was pretty tough for the punters but i think i avoided disaster by putting the cue in the rack pretty early
0: oh if only we could learn from that uh our punting expert philip georgios how are you
2: mate very well. Good to see you, boys. And yeah, when it rains, it pours. Good to see you again very quickly after a, a, a successful uh, podcast last week. But yeah, as Big V said, I didn't put the queue in the rack and I uh, definitely paid for that.
0: So we've got a, a uh, hard and fast format tonight. We've got a few group ones to try and quickly review and then we'll get into our Melbourne Cup preview. So we'll start off in race book order. The Coolmore Stud group one for the three-year-olds up the straight was one by Osmosis at $17. Uh, Might start with you, Phil. Uh, What was your take on that race?
2: Well, my take was I had my eyes uh, firmly on the favourite cylinder and uh, at about the 500, I knew that money had been not well spent because it was absolutely gone. It did look like a bit of a a last run in the prep type scenario for that horse, but Osmosis actually hit the front really early in the race and left itself open to be swooped on, but really extended its lead and Shinzo was there to, to beat it but yeah it was actually going away from the field towards the end I know I am Unstoppable ran really well late but yeah it was an impressive win an impressive win at odds and as we said in the preview podcast you often see um, some good odds fly up in races like this and we'll be talking about the Melbourne Cup later and that's a similar race you know when you've got 20 or so uh, horses in a field running down the straight there at Flemington um, what can happen but yeah i certainly wasn't on it good luck to those that were i know you had it in your quaddy corps but uh yeah it was a it was another great addition of the coolmore and obviously they'll be happy with their stud value following that re- uh that race but uh yeah it wasn't one that i'll look back in uh the two finally with
0: no, none of that value flows back to us does it all right chris what do you, what, what did you make of it
1: Well when you look at it in hindsight with osmosis I mean, it, it paid a pretty good price, and if you are someone who's forgiving of um of his last start result, uh, you got um rewarded for it. He, he was two dollars forty the start before, and you know maybe if Kings Gambit had been in that race, what might have been, but that's a hypothetical. Now, the second horse, I'm Unstoppable, has been really good this campaign without winning, and that uh, quarter one and a quarter length margin in the Coolmore was his biggest. defeat for the campaign so he's been very close and so maybe he's one to look forward to in the autumn possibly and Shinzo I think has been behind the eight ball most of this preparation so I reckon they go for a spell with him and get set for the autumn and yeah nothing more you can say about Cylinder that was clearly an end of prep run.
0: The next race was the, the Derby uh, it was won by the short price favourite Rift Rocket in the end, but Apulia gave it a big run for its money after Sunsets had let the field up. Chris, we might go to you this time. Nothing to see here?
1: Yeah, there's not too much to say. It could have been a real disaster for punters if Apulia had snatched a snatch win. But um, I think the best horse won. J-Mac probably got caught a bit surprised with you know, Apulia, Apulia just coming on his inside and He he might have thought that he had that race won. Apulia did have to. Apulia really had that second wind just in that last fifty to to make it very interesting in the end. But I think uh, all honours with the favourite, and there's not much more else to add because I think outside the top four, there were some pretty big margins, which shows. I think that shows just the lack of quality in this race.
2: Yeah, I was pretty happy with the result. It was One of the few I got over the line and it was only just over the line in the Derby. Um, It's interesting, uh, we had that discussion about the Derby and the distance and the format in the pod last week and we actually got a bit of feedback from one of our listeners who wrote in to me and said, the Derby is just a glorified three-year-old staying event these days, which um is a little bit harsh, I think. But yeah, I think the best horse won, obviously, and uh, yeah, cleared the rest of the field. But one of the few... Uh, Bit parts of the day where punters were were happy, I think. And the last
0: of the group ones for the day was the Empire Rose, the Phillies and mares classic, of course, without any fillies this year. What did you think of that one, Phil? I might leave it with you.
2: Yeah, it's hard to believe that uh, some of the jockeys in this race weren't aware that Pride of Jenny has a bit of a habit of getting out to these types of leads and, and has an ability to hold on. We saw it actually... Only two starts ago, where it uh, went out in front of the field at Mooney Valley, I believe it was, and Amelia's Jewel just nabbed it on the line. Um, if you can't be giving horses like that, Group One performed horses, you know, six, seven, eight lengths head start in any race, and they all paid the price. It was a really great effort by of Jenny, really hard horse, hardened horse that that sticks on really well. And we saw a tissue run really hard late um, and almost nab it in the end, but yeah. Um, really really surprising. I think most viewers and most punters that have seen that horse go around were pretty sure it was home by about the 400, to be honest, because you just don't see it get run down being that far ahead.
0: There was a little bit of that happening yesterday, wasn't there, Chris? There was a couple of, uh, a couple of horses that went out hard and fast and it worked in this race.
1: Yeah, and it did as as well also earlier and went in the sprint race where I got done with uh, Triple Missile with the Gems of Hale. So it was one of those days where yeah, you know, the leaders uh, actually performed well, except for the uh, the leader in the last race. But that's a a discussion for another day. But, but I just thought, um, with Pride of Jenny, there might have been just a little bit of a, a lack of respect for her when she got beat by Amelia's Julia. You know, a lot of commentary around that. Uh, you know, Amelia's Jewel only beat Pride of Jenny, and you know what do we make of that result? But yeah, you know, she's now a Group One winner. Uh she uh she probably was a bit flat in the tour act, but then when she's in when she's rock hard fit, she is very hard to run down and that was just a an inch perfect ride. Uh a tissue I think uh backed up last year and won the matriarch and she finished fifth in the Empire Row, so she's done better this time round. And uh I've gotta go and have a look at the replays again, but hope and hope in your heart look to have no luck as well. So I would be forgiving of her. All
0: right, we are going to look at the Melbourne Cup now. We're going to break this into two sections. It was a very good suggestion made by a member of our production crew earlier to uh, to do it this way. So uh, Melbourne Cup, as always, 24 horses. At this point, I don't believe there's been a scratching. So all 24 are scheduled to start, although there is uh, talk that one or two might have uh, an issue Facing them, so we'll look at three horses in particular in the first part of this preview, and then we'll uh, try and cover off what we can from the rest of the field in the second part. So we do have the reigning Melbourne Cup champ, the in, in by the name of Gold Trip, as well as the Caulfield Cup winner from two and a half weeks ago without a fight, and the overseas presumptive favourite Vorban. Uh, we'll cover those three first. Phil, why don't you tell us why they are the standout trio?
2: Yeah, I think this year in particular, we we have got, I reckon at this point of time, some of the shortest price favourites, I guess, for the race that we've seen for a little while. And I think that those three that you mentioned are the three that will stand out. And a lot of our listeners who may not be, you know, every 52 week a year punters uh, might want to know why those three horses are being mentioned. I think we can sort of give you a bit of illuminate that for a few of you. So Gold trip, I guess, to start with, number one, it's the winner from last year, dominant winner from last year. Um, it only goes up a kilo on that. Um, I think the track probably suited it a little bit better last year. It was a soft seven. I think we're probably going to get a good four, even a good three by race six or seven uh, on Tuesday. Um, you could argue, though, it's in better form than it was last year. It's had the two lead-up races, again, the Caulfield Cup and the Cox Plate, and they were really both... Um, high rating, uh, you know, fast races. Um, the Caulfield Cup in particular rated extremely highly, which uh, without a fight, who will discuss in a second, one. So um, it comes out of barrier two, won't have to do much work. It'll be on the fence uh, currently at $6. I think that's probably about right. Although, you know, with all three of these horses, I think you could argue that they're a little bit unders for a Melbourne Cup, but it has to be right in the conversation, given what it's been able to do and how it's performed again this spring. Um, without a fight, as I just mentioned, uh, it was the winner of the Caulfield Cup. Uh, Gold Trip did give it windburn last year in the Melbourne Cup. So it's, uh, you know, there might be a question at over 3,200, though I know it has one at 2,800. Um, but I do think with this one in particular, I, I actually didn't have it in my sort of top three until just before the pod. But I did think about West Wind Blows, which ran second in the Caulfield Cup. Um, what what price would it be in the Melbourne Cup? And I reckon it would be one of the favourites as well. So I think you have to respect that Caulfield Cup form and that performance. Uh, Valban, I might, might leave that with, with you, Big V. I've sort of gone through those ones pretty quick, but really it's been, I understand, a two-year project to get this horse to the Melbourne Cup to keep its weight down at 55 kilos. Um, it's been going over jumps and winning group ones in the jumps um, and I only, only think performed at group three level on the flat um, has some form through other horses in the race, which always helps because Melbourne Cup doesn't often have that. But um, it's eased out to a pretty backable price now at about four fifty. I think it was as short as three twenty, which uh, I doubt anyone was wanting to jump in on.
0: So, Chris, I'll get you to uh, anything you disagree with. with Phil on the big three, and then uh, let us know what else you like in the race.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised that uh, Voban's price has really eased dramatically since this morning, um, Sunday morning. But I, I think, um, I mean, every year I'm always tipping the Melbourne Cup favourite, and I thought, well, maybe this year I'll do something different and try and find something else to win. But you know, I'm finding it hard to to get away from Boban at the moment. If you go back to last year's Melbourne Cup at the 300, when Dover Legend was in front, you couldn't have enough money on him, and he just weakened. I don't think he ran out the 3200 or handled a soft track, and I just think Boban is a is a better horse than Deauville Legend. So if if you liked Deauville Legend last year, I think you've got to like Vauban this time around. I think he'll run out the 3,200 a lot better. And with Gold Trip, well, there's one horse there you know is going to run out, the, run out the distance. And I agree what, what you've said, Phil, about him. There's not much more to add. I think the query for me is the inside barrier. I think he's a horse that might be better outside of horses. And soft track obviously would be more ideal, but the good tracks haven't hampered him so far this campaign. And without a fight, the trainers flagged that the distance could be a query. So we'll wait and see whether he does run out to 32. I think last year he just didn't like the the soft track. So having a a firm track will be in his favour. Outside of that top three, I'm also I'm also giving Solcom a chance if he can jump on terms with the rest of the field. And I've also got a, a sneaky bet on Solcom as well to run top two at eleven dollars. So I'm hoping for a, a good performance from him as well. So ideally Vauban to win and Solcom second.
2: Yeah, I mean we we've we've discussed a couple of the main chances there and um Obviously, there's 24 horses in the race, and we've certainly seen favourites go down in the Melbourne Cup. So I had a little bit of a look sort of further down the field um, in some of the lightweight chances, and we've certainly seen seen them be successful um, over the journey. And I quite like the form and the way that future history comes into the race. It'll only carry 50 kilos. It was a solid third in the Moonee Valley Cup which has traditionally been a reasonable lead-up race for this event. Uh, it won the Bart Cummings um, in a race, admittedly, that was run to suit um, and drawn in a position where I think it can just find a nice spot either forward or back. So at the, at the moment, you're getting about $26 about hit and about 7 the place, so keen for it. And I guess if you like that as well, there's the old vow and declare, I suppose, um, out of the same race and obviously has been able to do it in the past before. So I'm not one I'll be on, but, you know, I don't think there'll be anyone disappointed if it can do it again a few years after saluting the first time. Um, In terms of, though, my on top pick at the moment, I just have to stick with Gold Trip. I think it's it's done it before. Uh, It's only gone up a kilo, so... um, Vauban, obviously is a big concern, and but I'd love to get future history in there and um, make sure I get a nice juicy trifecta.
0: Chris, speak now, forever hold your peace. What are we holding you to on Cup Day?
2: I reckon Voban. I think the price
1: four dollars plus looks pretty good. Now, if you if you're getting three dollars or you know Dover Legend type odds last year, I think I'd be steering clear. But last last year Dover Legend did ease out late. So I think uh Vauban's price will, will hold up and you might get around that, you know, four fifty, maybe even five dollars.
0: All right. Well, a couple of quick questions before we get to the final furlong. A fairly predictable final furlong it is for today. But uh firstly, gents, anything you like on the Flemington undercard on Cup Day. Chris, we'll start with you.
1: Well it's the race after the Melbourne Cup that I'm pretty interested in and Commemorative against Komochi. So uh, kimochi has got that that form through the flight stakes and Commemorative looks like she is a she's an up and comer. She's second up, so I think she's got a lot more improvement to come where, whereas Kimochi you know, is deep into her campaign. So I don't think there's much between them at their best. But at the moment I'm leaning towards Commemorative being at the start of her prep, and this looks like it's been a target race for her.
2: Yeah, for me, I mean, the Melbourne Cup uh, day isn't obviously as good as other days in the Spring Carnival in terms of the races. Um, Obviously, the Melbourne Cup stands out, as it should. But there's a couple in the other card I don't mind. I think it's basically D-Day for Barber. Surely a 1,000 down the straight in that field. It's about $3.20. If it doesn't win that, They'll have to start um, thinking about its future. Um, and in race nine, the Hong Kong Jockey Club stakes skew if at about $8, I think, has opened up at a price that I'd be interested in looking at. Um, and another one there too, Corbs, uh, you'll remember perhaps fondly Rebel Racer uh, winning the Adelaide Cup not too long ago, back in March, I think, in, uh, in Adelaide, a group two. It's going around in a benchmark 96 in race five at $67. I mean... Um, if that's not worth a dollar each way, I don't know what is. It's
0: all all valid points. I think we should call out the race that Chris has picked up on there, which is now known as the Howden Desirable Stakes. So it's a 1,400 metre race for fillies, and there is a group one for fillies called the Thousand Guineas on Saturday week. So you'd have to assume that that race will, in future, if this pattern works, will actually get the lion's share of the talented late spring fillies going through it on Cup Day. So I wonder if that's something to keep an eye on going forward. And we'll go to the final on now, gents. This is where you get to tell us your favourite Melbourne Cup memory over the years. Chris, we'll start with you.
1: Well, I'm going to go with Fiorente winning the Melbourne Cup. And I think that's probably the only Melbourne Cup winner I've backed. So... That's why I've got it as my memorable cup. And that's back in the day when uh, I think cup favourites were paying at least $7. So, yeah, you could still get a good price on a on a cup favourite.
0: Something tells me Phil is not going to have the same problem with trying to remember which one he backed.
2: Oh, I didn't back Friente, for that's for sure. I wish I had uh, got that hot tip off you that year, Big V, because I was nowhere near it. Um, they are hard to pick Melbourne Cup winners. One thing we probably didn't discuss in the Melbourne Cup preview was that you know it's not a great betting race really when you think about it you know there's 24 horses there's form lines coming from everywhere international first starters so it's um i know everyone likes to have a bet and everyone who wants to should have a bet but ultimately it's uh not great um uh in terms of the wallet but one year and i went to my wallet as well just as big v did that i really enjoyed was 2016 when al Al Mandin won i think it won at about 18 19 dollars um and I'd gone to Flemington and saw it, saw it won the Bart Cummings a few weeks earlier and just put that in the, uh, in the memory bank and, and thought, that horse is winning the Melbourne Cup. And I reckon I've never had a bigger go. I had it won out in the first four that got up as well. So from a punting perspective, that was easily my best uh, performance in a Melbourne Cup, which is why it stands out.
0: And I'll just throw in mine. I've got two that jumped to mind at 2007. Efficient first horse in our lifetime to win the derby and come back the following year and win the Melbourne Cup. That was pretty cool. And in the same colours as Efficient and Elmandon was Rekindling, albeit with a different hat in 2017. I certainly had a little lick of that. And we never got to see Rekindling on these shores again, but uh, that was was a good win. Um, We don't need to celebrate Lloyd Williams too much here. Gents, you've been excellent showing up. Stumping up on a Sunday night for this one. Uh, I wish all the punters a very happy day on Tuesday. Phil, how do we close out the show? And before we get there, we'll obviously be back later in the week with a
2: Stakes Day preview, but take us out. Good luck on the punt and gamble responsibly.